the things I wanted to do uh, with all the other stuff that happens in December around here, I figured that, no, I probably better not do it all. There wouldn't be any time for the message. And I know you came for the message, right? <laughs> yeah, I came for that, too. <laughs> I make a joke every once in a while to my wife. I don't want to go to church today. And our, our, the standing joke is, well, you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> I trust that our time uh, spent in exploring the titles listed by the prophet Isaiah about God's promise of a child born for us and a son given for us has helped you find a greater appreciation for what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf in his first coming to this earth as God's Messiah, our Savior. I hope you will also keep alive within you the hope that we have in Christ, that in his second coming, who knows when, he will establish his kingdom here on earth and we will share in his reign and in his glory. There is more coming for us, my friends, as believers, and it keeps getting better and better. And there are some days when I say, Lord, you could take me home anytime. But I still know of some people who need to come to you. And that's the reason we stay, is there are still people who need to come home to God. As the wonderful counselor, Jesus gives sound advice and good guidance because he knows everything and he knows how things should work. He knows how relationships should work, and he understands our difficulty in living life as he lived it. He was our example to follow. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within the center of our being, because of our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, enables us, it enables us, to participate in the abundant life he came to give us, even though we live in a fallen world. As mighty God, we are reminded of the power of God that was demonstrated by Jesus through his ministry as he healed the sick and the, and the disabled. He made the blind see, even one born blind. It had never happened in Israel before. We're letting the, the dumb speak. He also calmed the storms that frightened his disciples so. And we were reminded that he has given us as believers the power, the power to change and the power to do good for others because the Holy Spirit and the Father's agape love has been put within our lives 
we can make a difference. Excuse me. It is just water. Just in case you were wondering. The Everlasting Father. That title reminds us that we are privileged. We are privileged through Christ to know God as a loving and compassionate Abba who cares about all of his lost children and has a special fondness for his sons and daughters of faith. We are invited at any time to enter his presence anytime we want. We can rush into the throne room, climb up on his lap, and share with him the joys and concerns that we have. And we need to know and remember that we have an Abba in the heavens who loves and cares for us deeply, that our lives matter to him. And he will see to it that we arrive safely to our eternal destiny forever with him. He will see to it that we make it. Today we turn our attention to the final title, the Prince of Peace. Because we live in this fallen world, we generally associate peace as being the absence of war or violence. And that certainly is part of what God is talking about in his word as he speaks to us of peace. But peace in the Bible means more than just the absence of war and violence. That doesn't mean, however, that we shouldn't strive and be a part of trying to make a peaceful environment for us to live in so that as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, we can share the gospel with those around us freely. And Jesus told his disciples in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God in Matthew 5, 9. And that verse kind of fits both of the main biblical meaning of peace along with its secondary meaning of working to have and maintain a peaceful environment. A peaceful environment is especially important to be able to enter into periodically, isn't it? I hope that you come here in part on Sunday mornings to be in a peaceful environment be in the presence of God, to allow our lives to, to settle down, if you will, and just be able to take a deep breath. The New Testament word for peace has its roots in the Hebrew word shalom. In Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4, which Hunter gave to you to read for today, says, you will keep in perfect peace. Ooh, listen. You will keep in perfect peace him 
whose mind is steadfast or settled, firmly hanging on to, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. Peace is available when we hang on to God. The Old Testament word shalom was about completeness. It was about soundness. It was about well-being of the total person. And the New Illustrated Bible Dictionary says the New Testament peace often refers to the inner tranquility, inner tranquility and poise of the Christian whose trust is in God through Christ. Peace is the gift of God for those who place their trust and life in his hand. And in the New Testament, Jesus spoke of peace as a combination of hope and trust and quieting within the mind and soul brought about by our being reconciled to God. As believers, the shackles of alienation that were brought into existence through the sin in the garden have been shattered by Jesus on the cross. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What words he spoke to his troubled disciples who had just heard him say again, that he will die, but on the third day rise. And the peace that Jesus is giving us as believers is not a worldly peace. It is that inner tranquility that allows us to have hearts that are settled or quiet in the presence of God and it doesn't matter what the circumstances may happen to be. But we are in the presence of God and we are settled. That's the peace that Jesus was talking about. It is a peace that is derived from the relationship we have with God as our loving heavenly Abba through faith in what Jesus accomplished on our behalf through the cross. And being embraced by the Father's love and care for us, there is no need for fear. Even in the uncertainties of life that we face even now. Should persecution come? I pray it doesn't. But should it come, we will hold fast in our faith and hope and love for his glory and for the good of others. We will hang on. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he himself, he himself makes it possible for peace to exist. In his suffering and death on the cross, he broke the chains 
of oppression and alienation and offered us the freedom to choose to have a renewed and right relationship with God our Father. And with our sins forgiven and having been adopted into the family and the kingdom of God, we have a deep and abiding peace within the center of our being. Part of the trouble of living in this world is being so busy and being so driven that we don't have time, we don't take the time to settle down, to settle into the peace that God offers us through his Son. And once we are at peace with God, we come to find that we can even be at peace with ourselves and the one next to us. Those are precious gifts. The Christmas story itself introduces us to the coming hope of peace that will be found in the Savior born in Bethlehem. Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appearing with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rest. As you read or hear the Christmas story, pay attention to what the Prince of Peace is offering you. Joseph is told to give the baby boy the name Jesus, or he will save his people from their sins. Shepherds out in the hills with their sheep got the message from an angel Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then a heavenly host praises God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men, on whom his favor rests. True biblical peace begins in the deep wellspring of life, the heart. And only God can reach and change a person's heart. The question that must be asked this morning is this. Does God's favor rest upon you? Does God's favor rest upon you? And if you would have peace in your heart and life, you will need to have a right and positive relationship with God as your heavenly father. That is the only way his favor can rest upon you. And the only way of getting that favor is to receive Jesus into your heart and life as your personal Lord and Savior. It doesn't come any other way. There's no other way to be right with God apart from Jesus. And we cannot know the peace that Jesus gives through faith, except through the relationship you have with him and your Abba in the heavens. And the blessings and the benefits of that relationship go far beyond our ability to comprehend or even imagine. 
the older I get, the more thankful I am for all that Jesus has done for me across the years. I have known Jesus and walked with him since the age of 19 when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior while serving in the Air Force in England. And I can tell you, he changed my life. He changed the course and the direction of my life. And I found that he was calling me to be a pastor. And I said, Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because it was the furthest thing from my mind. I didn't like to talk in front of people. I couldn't speak in front of adults. And so he started me out as a cub master so I could talk in front of kids. But unfortunately, those kids had parents. And before long, I noticed that there were adults around that I had to talk to also. But God is so good. And across the years, he has freed me from a lot of fears. He has freed me from thinking that I was worthless, to believing that I have such value now, such value as a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Jesus is the prince of peace because he is the one who makes it possible for our hearts to experience that inner tranquility that is found in a new and restored relationship with God as our Abba in the heavens. There, are, there were occasions when I would go home into Vermont and spend time with the family. And um, do, you ever, do you ever spend time with family and say, Lord, let's go home? <laughs> or say to your spouse, when, when can we leave? Now, I know some of you have, have families and, and parents and stuff where you, you love to be around them, and you are so blessed. But that's not the case for everybody. And uh, there were times when I would come back to my congregation and say, it is so good to be home. It is so good to know that my Abba in the heavens loves me and cares about me. Jesus paid the price by giving his life on the cross so our sins could be forgiven. And we also need to remember that while he was on that cross, he made an exchange with us. He took our sins upon himself and he gave us his righteousness. And Jesus makes it possible for the Father to look upon us with favor but because he sees his son's righteousness in us as his sons and daughters. Scripture teaches us that Jesus is even now in the presence of the Father reminding him. Imagine that. Jesus is reminding the Father that he paid the price for that sin that Herb just did. 
or that you may have just done. He has paid the price. He reminds the Father that we are worthy of his forgiveness because of what he accomplished on the cross and because we are his sons and daughters. 1 John 2, 1 and Hebrews 7, 24 and 25. And so I would pray today, my dear friends, that the peace of Christ and Christmas will be yours now and forever. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you always. I, I uh, hope you will be with us and you can join us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service right here at 7 o'clock Friday night. The message will be he came to offer us a new home. And we'll conclude our Advent season as we celebrate the birth of Jesus and wait and wait for his second coming. And it is then when he will make all things new for his glory and our enjoyment. Father, you are amazing. You have done so much for us, oh God. And as I prayed earlier, how, how is it possible for us to say thank you? Except that, that we, except that we know there is one thing that blesses your heart. And that is when we give you our heart and life. And Jesus said, whenever anyone comes and receives him as Lord and Savior, there's a party in heaven. So, Father, I pray that if there's even one here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they will get that right today and be able to enjoy all that I have been talking about. For your glory, O oh God, and for our good and the good of those around us, change us. Change our heart. Give us that heart of flesh and put your spirit within us so that we will know what is pleasing to you as we live our life in a crazy, mixed-up world. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with me to receive a blessing today? And the blessing that I want to share with you is found in Ephesians Ephesians chapter 2, verses, uh, I'm going to start with verse 11, so you get the full story. I want you to listen to what God has done and is doing for you and for me. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, <clears throat> therefore, remember that formerly you who 
are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcised, that done in the body by the hands of men. In other words, in the Jewish mind, there was the Jews, and then there was everybody else. They were the Gentiles. So we were Gentiles. We are Gentiles. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And consequently you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I hope you can appreciate coming into church, being in the fellowship, being together, and realizing anew, yes, I have the spirit of God within me, but you have the spirit of God within you, and when we come together, there is a bigger presence because God is with us. And you may sense that now. God is with us because he loves his people. God bless you. Have a great week. And have a good Christmas. But come on Christmas Eve, will you? <laughs>